Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast. Joining me today is Matt DeCourcy, and we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about yet, and that is how to create long-term evergreen content. And from my perspective, this content should both brand the organization and help sell, or if you're a B2B, generate leads. So Matt, look forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself in 200 words or less? Sure. Well, first off, Mark, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate the time and hopefully can offer some valuable insight. Once again, my name is Matt DeCourcy. I am the CEO and co-founder of a tech services company named Fullscale. We provide services. We, we, we help software companies build teams of developers in our office in the Philippines. Now, past that, I'm also the co-host of the Startup Hustle podcast, published over 350 episodes, and I have also written three books. Wonderful. Well, we're happy you're on the show and uh, going to just start diving into you know, what it is that uh, I want my audience to learn about. So first of all, Let's define what long-term evergreen content is. So there's a lot of people out there that talk about creating content, and this is a really good question. So what is that, and what kind of content matters now? What kind of content matters later? When I hear the term evergreen content, I think about something that doesn't have a shelf life, meaning it still provides value and offers a visitor, a reader, a listener, someone, it has lasting value. Now that can come in a number of different ways, but I mean, it's really something that isn't dated. So like a news article is eh, for most part, not what I would call evergreen content, a uh, piece written about leadership or how to build a business with some timeless advice would be a better example of evergreen content. Okay. And, you know, when we talk about creating this long-term content, what, what, what needs to be done prior to even starting that? Got to have some kind of plan. Um, and then really, whether it's evergreen content or any kind of content, if you want people to care about it, pay attention to it, or find value in it, it has to, it has to provide something to them. You have to entertain them. You have to give them some kind of advice, or you have to give them, uh, tell them a story or something like that. So, you know, when it comes to evergreen content, it's, it's a long play and it's something that, that planning and creating it needs to be, you know, you should have a systematic approach to it. You should have some idea of what you're doing. Like, so taking pictures and posting them on Instagram, not evergreen content. Now creating a long-term blog marketing plan with uh, articles that link to each other and provide value and, you know, have embedded different types of embedded media and stuff like that. That's a, you know, that, that's how you would create a plan for evergreen content. I mean, cause uh, we do, content for our clients, obviously. And I like video. Um, although, you know, we've done infographics, but we always start from a perspective of understanding who their target audience is and then either doing surveys or research or something to try truly understand who they are. And then, and then the creative part kicks in, which is one of my favorite things is, okay, how do we creatively educate, entertain everything that you just said and come up with those concepts? So, I mean, how do you do that? 
It, it really depends. Like, you have to start by defining your audience. You know, who are you trying to reach? Who is the likely person or organization that's going to absorb your content? And then what message resonates to them? So you have, obviously, you have different kinds of value that people are going to find. So um, I, give me an industry. Give me yeah, a, okay. just name, so, an, name an industry. Let's say uh, pet products. Okay. So people that have pets, they're going to possibly, well, people, first off, there's a lot of people that have pets. So you, what kind of pet do they have? Are you looking for dog owners? Or are you looking for cats? Let's say cats. And then, Let's say cats. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So if you're looking for cats, then you're going to, all right. So we've defined that. So you want to be pretty clear with the plan. Like you're going to title your articles and put the content. It's, it needs to be a, you shouldn't be publishing a blog article aimed for cat people that says nine ways to walk your dog or something like that. You know, obviously that's not a very good approach. And then, you know, what kind of value are people going to look? So, you know, my, and I'm not a subject matter expert on pet ownership, but, you know, people that own pets, I'm assuming that they're going to want to research animals characteristics. They're going to possibly want to find healthier avenues for, you know, like, so you have pet, you could have pet insurance, you could have pet food. Uh, what are the benefits of each or, or whatever? And then in some cases, it might also be looking up, uh, you know, maybe to change behavioral aspects of an animal. So, you know, with that plan, you want to, you want to structure evergreen content around something specific. I wouldn't advise anyone to create an article that covered all of that in one. Those are all separate, separate subjects. You'd be watering down an evergreen article by getting too broad with it. And then how do you figure out what, what's going to be evergreen and what's, what's kind of whimsical. Uh, I mean, with cats, especially with cats, Matt, I mean, if you look at how many videos are out there, I mean, are, are overdone. So it seems like something that's going to be evergreen is I look at it as, okay, would this person print this out or would they bookmark it or would they, you know, save this video for, for, for the future. And, and then always the issue is, okay, how do we, how do we reach these cat owners in a way that they haven't, already seen or heard, especially in this industry where it's been extremely overdone. Sure. So, you know, something that once again, if you're, if you're discussing the term evergreen should not have a shelf life. So characteristics of a Siamese cat, as an example of, that's the first thing that came to mind when we, if we had to produce an evergreen article. So I, I, would think that the characteristics and behavioral aspects and obviously the appearance of Siamese cats has not changed in a very long time. So that, you know, the evergreen approach doesn't require constant updating. Now, let's say you did an article on a litter of six Siamese kittens that you had available right now. Well, once those are gone, that article expired. Now, you could still kind of swing that into an evergreen approach, but you're going to have to do maintenance. You're going to have to go up and update it. You know, when I think of an evergreen article, I look at something that I pub you, you set it and forget it. You know, it's like it posts and you don't have to go back and do anything to it. It doesn't require, it doesn't have a shelf life. Now, everything theoretically has a shelf life, but certain things, yeah. well, I'll give you an example. So, uh, technology changes a lot. And so one of the things that like front end technology for programmers changes a whole lot. And so with that, we'll write articles that are about a specific, uh, type of tech 
but not necessarily each individual version. Because, you know, if we said like Angular as a popular front end uh, technology, and it comes out with a new version quarterly or something like that. So, you know, unless you're wanting to be specific about that version, you're going to sentence yourself to constantly updating and maintaining that article to keep it current. Otherwise, people are going to find it. They're going to, it's going to look dated and they just bounce. Got it. Okay. So I understand the challenges of, uh, of what I'm talking about, which is, okay, how do you come up with something that's entertaining? On the evergreen front, um, what you're talking about is, okay, these, these, these have a longer shelf life than your, your typical article. And okay, so now, now that we've got that definition, this is mostly on me, by the way, not on you. Why is evergreen content more important than your, the average you know, blog post or social post that's put out there? When I think of any, now a, a podcast article, a blog, any of that stuff, you have human capital that goes into it, your own time, your own effort. I look at everything that we publish or produce that is quote evergreen as being a digital asset. So, you know, the, the longer, the, the longer it's able to produce a return, the more value that you have out of it. Now, uh, I, I really suggest that anybody and everybody always take an evergreen approach. I mean, that's, that's the best place to start. I have uh, blog articles from years ago that still get significant traffic in different web properties that I own. And that's because there's an evergreen nature to them. Yeah, the same. I can say the same for video, as well. I, although I don't know if the SEO value is as good for video than for the articles like what you're doing. Are you just dealing in in articles, or do you do you venture into podcasts and video? Well, I know you have a podcast, but for your clients, are you are you venturing into audio and video as well? Well, we don't do a lot of marketing services for our clients. Now, with that, I do refer to FullScale as a, if you want to learn about what we do, you can go to FullScale.io, where I often refer to us as a marketing company that happens to sell tech services. Now, I, I say that because I like the marketing approach first, but, you know, when it comes to like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Today, we published, an, or yesterday, we had an article, what is affiliate marketing? And that article, like the definition of affiliate marketing isn't going to change a whole lot over the upcoming however many years this exists. Now, there are other things that go with it. You mentioned liking video and, you know, video can stick around for a while, but it also has a shelf life as well. Uh, some of that I think is a little more centric around it, just not looking dated. Um, but, you know, there's videos on YouTube that are eight, nine, 10 years old that still get significant traffic. So, you know, I, I think the same thing with podcasts. I'm sure this show is the same. Like, you know, I don't get the same amount of traffic on episode five as we yeah. get on episode 365. Yeah. I mean, the problem with podcasts is the search engines aren't that great. And right. I don't think people go to podcasts to do search. You know, they go to Google, they go to YouTube. Those are one and two, actually. Uh, and maybe Bing. So I like video because it'll show up forever. Uh, right. Just as you mentioned, you know, there's still uh, some of my best performing videos are four years old because they well, were. You know, it, 
I have, a, I have a comment on that though. One of the things that I've seen, so I've been, our podcast has been out for about three years and, you know, we get significant traffic. We have over a, a, a million lifetime downloads and get, you know, we're in the 60 to 70,000 download a month range right now. And I'm seeing a level of, I'm seeing a level of sophistication come up. Like I find our podcast, Google now indexes podcasts and does a lot of different stuff. And I think that uh, some things that we may not have can considered to be as evergreen or SEO friendly may, may make a resurgence because there's a lot of voice recognition technology and a lot of stuff like that, that seems to be entering the podcast world. That's making it easier to find stuff. So, um, and, and, you know, on the, to go with that as well, we look at any podcast aggregator as a search engine. So when we title our, our, our uh, episodes and stuff like that, we, we do give some consideration to what would someone search for if they were looking for an individual episode. Do you look at the data? I mean, do you have, because I, I use Libsyn for my syndicator. Do you have any data as to how popular your episodes were from last year versus any other year to see if people are still downloading them? Do you have any ideas as to what that looks like? Yeah. You know, and one of the challenges with podcast analytics and it's getting a little better, but overall it's still terrible. You know, people it ask is. me, how many, subs how yeah. many subscribers do you have? And you shrug, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You don't know. Like there's nothing that accurately tells you. And it's all feels like uh, half a guess. And it, um, it is. as now, as far as the, the lifetime value of, of old episodes, I mean, every month, uh, every episode in the history of startup hustle gets a listen. Now the, the there is a, a sharp drop off. I, I refer to uh, your podcast analytics. They look like Enron stock because they start real high and then they fall off a cliff <laughs> and, and right. you know, and then you're getting, but, but the thing is, is if you want to have, you know, if people are finding that the great thing about podcasts and the evergreen nature of that is if people like your show and they like what you do, they'll go back and we have some people and, and God bless every single one of them that have listened to every episode. And, you know, that's, I mean, we have 300, I think 370 at the time of this recording. And, you know, now it, the funny thing is, is I listen to, if I go back and listen to episode five, I have absolute terror uh, a feeling of, of terror that we even let something that uh, th that low of quality out, perhaps. So we've gotten a lot better at it, but yeah. You have to start somewhere. I, I yeah. think that's admirable that, uh, you know, you, you even put something out like, like that. You didn't know at episode five, or maybe you did, that you're going to produce 350 and that you'd get better over time. I mean, you can't start perfect. It, it just doesn't work that way. Now we, we always, uh, we, we give a lot of advice and have a lot of conversations with startup founders and entrepreneurs. And, you know, sometimes you just have to jump and build wings at some point when it comes to this stuff. And, you know, Nike says it best, just do it. And it's the same thing for anybody that's wanting to create a content. When it comes to content marketing, everyone tells you you need to do it. And no one really effectively, well, very few effectively tell you how to do it. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's hard because it's hard. And, you know, and the thing is you have to be, if you're going to do evergreen marketing, another thing is you have to, you have to have within your plan, you have to have a level of consistency and repetition 
that matters because Google doesn't care about the website that has two articles on the back end of it. Like you just not, no one really cares. And, and another thing too, is if you, if you plan it appropriately and you use cross channel marketing and just different things like, you know, for example, in the, in the, in the blog at full scale, we have in YouTube videos embedded, we have podcast episodes embedded and that stuff all needs to, you know, kind of light the fuse on the other stuff. And, you know, that, that needs to be part of your plan as well. Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem I have is, okay, coming up with what are the ideas and the content that you're going to produce that hasn't been done before, or does that even matter? Like you, you brought up earlier, you, you, you did an article on what is affiliate marketing? Well, I guarantee you there's a thousand articles like that. Yep. So what goes through your mind when you produce something like that? Is it that you already have you know, a, a high producing site that Google recognizes and will, you know, move that up to page two or one? Or is there something else that you have in mind when you produce something like that? So I love the long tail. Um, I'm not, I think trying to, to be number one for the term affiliate marketing, like if that was my goal, that wouldn't be a goal. That would be a fantasy because it's not going to happen <laughs> anytime soon. You know, like I, we're not inc.com or entrepreneur.com or anything like that. I mean, you know, the history of the internet means that pretty much everyone's done it at least once. So, you know, the, we're looking in, in an article like that, it's either in this case, that's a value add. That's something that we might show to a client or get out there and do some different stuff. So I'm not necessarily planning on being first for that, but it, well, the approach is what is affiliate marketing? Don't under, don't undervalue or underestimate uh, how many people just type a question into a search engine and ask. Um, so it may come up, you know, who knows, but in that case, I'd be expecting that to come up with some other keyword that might be in the, in the article. Okay. So yeah. So you're hoping for a long tail that, you yep. know, what is affiliate marketing, but for cat owners or our cat product sure. uh, businesses, something like that. Right. Yep. Yeah, and in that case, it would it would be a little more centric around probably about someone including the word startup in there or something like that. Mm, so yeah, okay. Well, that ma that makes more sense because I'm always looking at okay, here's content and here's the internet, which is a vast sea of content that you know is some of it's good, some of it sucks. How do you you know? How do you position it so that you're you're going to be found more than all the other millions of things that are out in that vast sea? And and that's that's really the challenge. And it's just, it's I'm always curious as to what other marketers do in this. What is your thought process around that and, and making sure that it gets discovered? Are, are you simply putting terms in the article and hoping for that long tail, or is there something else that you're doing? Well, I, mean, I think it starts with the title. And you know, the title if you're just using a basic WordPress site or something like that, that also many times turns into your URL, those things are looked at, you know, that's how Google's looking at. And you have to, it, so in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I actually have a section that, that says, think like a search engine. You know, search engines are logical. You know, they are, they are looking, their job is to, you know, Google's, Google is trying to put a searcher on top of the best results that answer the question that they're looking for. So, you know, there are, there are things that matter, you know, like uh, I see people do a lot of dumb stuff, you know, they take a screenshot of something and then they upload that image to the, to their blog article. And then that file name is like screenshot four, three, eight, nine, seven, six, eight, three dot PNG. 
and you know, and it does, you know, it's not labeled or anything like that. So if you're going to think like a search engine, you get it. Like what would a search engine, why would a search engine want to recommend you? And it needs to be either relevant references or what it's going to lead you to, or, you know, I mean, or you have a hell of a lot of links to that which probably isn't the case, especially right after you publish something. So, you know, and then, and then other things too, is like it, I mentioned having videos embedded, having podcasts embedded. Remember search engines want to take a visitor to the highest quality result that it can find. So, you know, it, if it sees an article that's titled what related to what the search is, the images are labeled similar to that. There's a video, there's a podcast, there's links to other, resources in case that visitor doesn't find what they need, the search engine likes that. So let's say you come up with the content, the title, everything you just described and you structure it properly. What team do you need to deliver it? What, what is a, an average team in a startup? What, what should it look like? Well, I, I'm fortunate because we have a 12 person marketing team. I have about 200 employees. So we do have, we have a team of six writers we have three graphic designers, two video editors, and CMO. Um, now, here's the thing. You don't need any of that to publish your own articles. Um, I mean, you, as a startup or a solopreneur, you can create content. It's your own time. Now, looking at that from the outside in, it's like looking at an elephant and someone just told you to eat it. So you got, the thing is, is you got to eat that elephant one bite at a time. So, you know, as far as a team goes, um, I mean, you can be the team. I really recommend if you are, so one of the comments that people have given me over the years as an author is like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. And I'm like, well, why aren't you? They're like, well, I'm still thinking about it. What do I need to do? I'm like, you should start by going home and writing something, dude, yeah. you know, like anything. So, you know, you can create the content, but people are overwhelmingly uncomfortable writing. So, you know, it, businesses like yours that can help with that team, help implement it. Now, I really, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been as adamant about using a company like yours. Now, I highly, I recommend these things because, you know, there's something to be said about people that have done it and understand it, avoiding errors and that learning curve are important. You know, so, I mean, there, it really depends. I mean, you can go anywhere from doing it yourself to, uh, you know, finding businesses like yours, outsourcing it or whatever. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of ways to go about doing it. Now for us, we have a bit of an assembly line. So five days a week, we publish a high quality article in the full scale blog. Um, we also publish five podcasts a week. So now it's taken us quite a bit of effort, energy, and emotion to get that process down. Uh, and that's why we're able to do the content, the, the, the number of it. But, uh, you know, I, I really recommend whether you're doing it as a startup or working with someone, you want to try to learn to make it a process. So you're not having to figure out how to do something for all six steps that you, that you might want to come up with. Okay. I mean, it's very good advice. That process is the way I think to do it. Also have a co content calendar and stick to yep. it closely. Yep. Yep. Now, why, why do it? I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's a lot of work to produce this stuff and keep people entertained and all that. And it's just, it's so competitive out there. Why should people create this content? Okay. So let's say that you want to do business with my company full scale, right? So theoretically, if we strip away all the bells and whistles, we employ a bunch of software developers. 
So, so do a lot of people. There's a lot of programmers out there. There's a lot of companies. So what makes me different? Why do I want to do business with you? And when it comes to creating content, this is the reason I wrote books. Like people ask me a lot. They say, oh, you've had three number one books on Amazon. Have you made a lot of money selling books? Hell no. Yeah. I wrote books to establish myself as a subject matter expert. It's like an advanced business card. No one yeah. throws away a book. It feels weird to throw away a book. People throw away a business card before they even get back to their car in the parking lot sometimes. Now, you know, so whether it's a, and a book is a good example of evergreen content. I find my book everywhere. When I go all around town and visit people, I see my books sitting on shelves, doing this, doing that. And sometimes uh, on a funny note, people send me pictures of my book doing funny things. So like, man, I, I, this book sucks, but it holds my wobbly table up well. So <laughs> it doesn't, but here's the thing. They're still seeing it. They still yes. look at and it. And your but, name and title, yes. Right. Now, the thing is, is there's, look, there's a million people that do what you do. I don't care how unique you think you are. There's a bunch of people that do what you do or can do what you do on some level. So what differentiates you? So for example, and I have it, we have a multi-pronged approach. So not only do we have our blog, which gets significant traffic uh, through web search, the podcast. So if you're going to come hire me as a, at higher full scale as a development service, you, uh, you, you would feel a little better knowing that I know what you need because I've been down the road. I've been a startup founder. I've been an entrepreneur. I've invested over a million dollars in startups. I've done a lot of stuff. And every day of the week, I have a conversation similar to this with people like you. So that content, it starts to stack up. And, you know, for us, it, it's, it's a lead here, a lead there. And then, then we got, a, I'll just try to sound humble when I say this, but we have become so effective at it that we, a lot of the leads we find now people are like, Oh, well, I, you know, I found your blog and that was great. But then I listened to your podcast and I felt like I got to know you. And then we reached out mm -hmm. and you know, that's, that is a great situation to be in, but how are you going to differentiate yourself from someone? If, if I don't feel like you're a subject matter expert and I'm operating on a more than beginner's uh, level, then I, I need you to feel credible and I need to know that you're a subject matter expert. Otherwise, I'm just going to move on down the line. If you don't look like you're in the business of doing whatever it is that you say that you do, you have problems and you don't even know it. Yeah, I, I think you nailed everything I would have said with, with there's one other thing I, I think I'd add to that is with that content you're putting out there and, and building yourself up as a subject matter expert and an influencer, you can actually charge premium rates because people True. want to deal with someone that's well known. Uh, it's like yeah. doing business with IBM. To, I mean, going way back on this reference, but you know, you'd pay more to do business with with IBM because you felt more comfortable. It was a big brand. Yep. You felt proud to say you're working with IBM. And I, I think there's a, a whole thing around premium pricing that we could get into. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And by the way, that, that is part of our model. I mean, we, we are very upfront that we have a premium service offering. Uh, even the employees we hire, like we, you know, we need them to be in the top 10% of wherever they're at in their career designation. And uh, those are the best clients to work with people. Those are the ones that you want. And if you can position yourself for that, then that's where you want to be. Yeah. And they're comfortable paying that amount. They're willing to pay it. Yep. They understand the value in paying for it. And it just makes your life and uh, your pocketbook a lot, lot, lot better. The, those, okay. cli those, those clients won't pay for anything else. They're buying in that category, whether it's from you or from someone else. Yeah, excellent point. All right.
so I think we did a pretty good job of really, you know, letting people know what evergreen content is, why it's important, how to do it, and, and the value of it. So I think it's a good time to wrap things up and talk, ask you a couple of questions that I ask everybody. Sure. The first one is, what is the hottest digital marketing te- technology that you recommend today? So I, I'm an investor. I'll, I'll disclose that I'm an investor in this uh, platform as well. But Divi HQ, uh, D-I-B-B-Y HQ, it's a content marketing management platform. It's been around for a while. It's been award winning. Um, if you want to have a plan, uh, it, it's very, it is important to be able to be organized, to be able to collaborate, to be able to communicate. And if you're going to, I mentioned earlier that you don't have to have a process on day one, but if you're not working towards having a process on day one, uh, you're never going to scale and get it to the point where you need to be. Um, Creating quality content is about collaboration and communication on many days. So that's, that's a platform that I'm, I'm really happy about when it comes to that regard. And then some other things too, like, you know, and I don't know if this is truly digital marketing technology, but you know, what are you going to do when you get someone to your site? You know, like, I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. They're really great at getting at generating traffic, but they're not doing a very good job of collecting it. Or what are you trying to achieve? So like we use gigabook.com to, to take appointments and streamline certain processes and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that can, can help you get forward. I'm curious what your favorite is. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I'm using it actually right now. My current favorite is otter.ai. It transcribes okay. on the fly, mm. and it's about 90% accurate, and then it goes back and, and checks itself and yep. then updates itself, um, and I, I just find it fascinating because I don't even have to write the blog articles anymore. It's doing it yep. for me. So this podcast yep. turns into a blog article, and it's very all unique content. You and I have never said these exact same things before. Yep. And uh, just super easy. So, and, and by the way, that's a, that's a great way to create a large volumes of content. I've done that partially with the books that I've written. Uh, you can, you speak a lot faster than you can type. And, yeah. uh, and it, one of the challenges that writers have in general is, is putting a voice in it. They sound robotic or it's boring. If you are transcribing your presentations or your voice and your message, it has a little more flavor to it. Totally agree. Yep. Totally agree. So let's go to the final question. Question number two, who, who in your opinion is the most influential person in marketing today? You know, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I, I get it. When I filled out the form, I said, Gary V, cause I see him everywhere, but here's the thing. I'm, I don't really, I don't really spend a lot of time listening to Gary. Um, you know, I see him everywhere and that's why, that's why I gave that answer. But um, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of different things. I mean, I, I, I just like the, I like Gary's approach just because he's not afraid to, I mean, he's just, he's just who he is, man. Cuss words and all. Uh, but I, I appreciate that because I'm, I, my team is going to be super proud of me that I made it all the way through this show without swearing. <laughs> this is a, this is a PG-13. So, so yeah, I get it. We, we, we mark, we blanket mark in all startup hustle episodes with explicit because we have a hard time getting, Hey, as an entrepreneur, it's hard to not describe your journey without some F bombs. Oh yeah. I mean, no question. So the, one of the reasons I like the fact that you chose Gary V is because one of the answers uh, you and I talked about was, you know, once you build your brand up to a certain point, you could charge premium services. He's taking it to the next level where 
people come to him with huge business ideas. I mean, he's he's involved in sports marketing. He's involved in uh, investments. Well, he's an he's an entrepreneur, and you know, like here's the thing: like I like Tim Ferriss and his content, but. Mm -hmm that's not, he's not the same kind of entrepreneur like Gary is like Gary sells wine and he's had his own yeah. line of shoes. And like, I mean, I I'm like that, like, let's talk about how we're going to make money and see if it's going to happen. And I, I have an easier time listening to someone like that than a self-proclaimed help self-help person or that's never done you know, it. whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, love this podcast. We're going to have to do another one in six months or so. Yeah, sure. Where can people find you? Where can't they find me? Um, <laughs> That's a good I mean, like, I mean, I've been working, you talk about your long-term evergreen content marketing mm -hmm. plan. You know, I started mine three and a half years ago when, so I used to be a ticket broker and I made a hell of a lot of money doing it. But with that, I, I only needed to exist in my little bubble. I had relationships and technology that didn't require a lot of human interaction. And when I exit, I knew the exit of that business was coming. I told my wife, I said, I need to reinvent myself. So uh, I, she said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, well, I'm going to start by writing a couple books. And she's like, what the hell do you know about writing books? I, I don't know. I'm going to hire some people that are going to help me do it. So I have three books that are available on Amazon. One, the first one's Balance Me, A Realist Guide to a Successful Life. Second one's Million Dollar Bedroom, which is uh, more popular than the first one. That's the story of my entrepreneurial journey. I, I actually started a, my first business in the extra bedroom in my home, and I had nothing but a credit card with an $8,000 limit and turned that into $30 million worth of revenue over the following mm -hmm. eight years and then became everything we do now. And then last year, I published my third book called The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. So I worked in, in music and ticketing for 15 years of my life, and that was more of a pet project. So those are out there. Uh, the Startup Hustle podcast is easily my most consumed content of all. Uh, we are consistently in the top 25 of all entrepreneurship podcasts on Apple. We're very proud of that and publish episodes five days a week. Uh, in fact, Startup Hustle has gone so well that we actually brought in additional hosts. Uh, so I'm not, and my, my business partner and I are not the hosts on every episode. And we're moving towards a seven, a 365 day, uh, you know, publishing schedule like every day. And um, past that, you know, you can find, uh, you can find more about my business at fullscale.io and some of the articles we talked about, which are largely about technology and entrepreneurship in our blog. Wonderful. And if you have any questions for Matt, um, please post them, uh, either on the blog post that you're reading this on or on, uh, reach out to Matt directly and, and ask him there. So Matt, I, I really appreciate you having on the show. Great episode and want to have you back for sure. Yeah, no problem.